This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Thursday, the 23rd of May, 2019, the year being. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining me on this week's podcast. Well, uh, welcome, one and all. Everyone clicking in, tuning in, joining in, listening in, viewing, etc., etc., etc. Welcome, one and all. All right, so here we are, another week, another program, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here once again for all of you. We are uh, going out to, of course, a wide variety of ways online via TuneIn. We have the TuneIn stream working again. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, YouTube, SoundCloud, etc. On shortwave, 5850, 7780 kHz. We have a pretty good show coming up for you today. Uh, this show is going to be, I mean, if I were to take a guess right now, I would wager it would be largely on the part um, regarding probably listener questions and topic suggestions, because I was going through them, and uh, boy, do we have a good a good group today. So we have some really good, insightful topics, if you ask me. And that's one of the things that I just love about these questions and, and topic suggestions. You know, it's like, so many of these things... I would never come up with, it would never even occur to me to bring this up as a topic for discussion. So we have a lot of good stuff in today's program. I also actually have a question for you guys. Really two questions, so one of them isn't, isn't going to apply to most of you, so it's kind of more of like a little bit of an aside. Uh, but otherwise, we have a question that, of course, I'll be looking forward to your responses to. Uh, to lead some discussion in uh, next week's show. But overall, it's just, I think it's going to be a fun one. You know, just just some good stuff to talk about. You know how it is. Uh, but first things first, I don't really have too much to go off of on, uh, on my own little soapbox today. Uh, but just a few generalized updates. Uh, last week we did start out recording part of the show. Yeah, doing the uh, video, having the tape rolling while I was uh, recording some of this. And I mean, I think it went over well. I mean, looking at the statistics and the analytics, people like seeing it recorded. People enjoyed it. Uh, response seemed to be good. Of course, if it's something that I intend to do regularly, then it'll just be done you know, in segments. So I'll record this and that, and then maybe one day I'll just set up the camera and do a long-form recording uh, sequence. The only issue, and it's, I mean, it's a little bit of a pain, but it is what it is, right? Uh, of course, I mean, it's, it's funny how things have changed over the years. When I first uh, started out the YouTube channel years ago, um, well, first I started out with an HD camera, but then it broke, and I had to go to this older camera that I think actually did run off of tape, and it was not an HD camera. It was only 480p. And, you know, that footage was very low resolution, maybe a few of you remember it. And it was very easy to edit because the file size was so low. Whereas when I record now, uh, it's in 1440p and, you know, very high resolution and frame rate. And, uh, of course, that goes out to very big files. 
So unfortunately, trying to make a little bit of a cut here and there, like let, let's say I'm just recording this, I'm filming this right now, and uh, I stumble all over my words, or let's say this airplane that's going to fly over any minute, uh, just becomes too loud and you can't hear me, so I have to make an edit there, and, you know, for the sake of quality. If the footage is, I mean, let's say 20, 30 minutes long, making that one edit, and then processing it again, and saving it, uh, is going to take hours. And, uh, like I said in the last program, when you have a deadline, sometimes you cannot spare that much time, because you have, you have to dedicate a lot more time to other things as well. You have to record the audio, you have to smooth that out, you have to make sure that is acceptable for broadcast. And then you have to promote the show, which takes hours in itself, and all this stuff, and it just adds up, you know. Then you have to manage other things at the same time, so that's the one thing. And there was one listener, he kind of sensed it, and I think he said it best. He said, yeah, yeah, I like that you record the shows now on the video, uh, but I sense that your delivery is a little different. And I mean, you're spot on. You're absolutely right. Because when I'm filming it, I cannot afford to make mistakes. I just can't. I can't pause for too long. I can't catch my breath. I can't look at the list of talking points and topics and go over something and, and make sure I know what I'm talking about. Uh, you cannot stop, because if you do, that means you have to make edits, and it means you're losing significant amounts of time. So, I kind of have to rush everything, and at the same time, like when I'm recording this, alright, I find a good spot, we set up the microphones, set up the equipment, uh, make sure everything is in order, and you know, then you record, and then you go, and, and everything is good. You're fine, you're set. And when you're filming it, you have to set up the lights. Then you have to set up the camera. You have to make sure the camera is in focus. You have to make sure the microphone on the camera is good. You have to make sure that it has enough battery, enough memory. You gotta make sure it's filming the way you like it. You gotta make sure you're projecting the way the, that it picks up good on the video. And you can't make any mistakes. There's so much that goes into it. And plus, you have to focus a lot more on your appearance as well. Uh, which, you know, with a microphone only, you don't have to worry. So, it's a pain, but... I mean, as long as it's worth it, it's fine by me. I'll deal with it. That's the best way to go about it. But otherwise, uh, we're just doing that. Maybe you'll hear it in a minute. There's a building site uh, down the road a bit, and I have all these giant dump trucks that are dumping all of this uh, soil. So Sometimes there's a lot of banging noise because of these construction vehicles doing their, doing their work, doing their thing. Uh, but otherwise, everything is going well. Everything is going fine. One little tip. I don't really think that it's very applicable to most people listening, though I know there are a bunch of people that tune into this show in Florida. For any of you that live down here, or have been down here over the last few weeks, or presently, maybe you've had the uh, absolute pleasure of uh, being able to experience all of the love bugs that are here. I mean, I swear, it's... it's insane. And you might be saying to yourself, what... you know, what on earth is a, uh... a love bug? And in short, this is not necessarily a very technical analysis. 
it's, uh, of course, a type of insect, a flying insect, that, you know, comes out in very, very large numbers for a short span of time, usually in May, and then again in around October. And they swarm up, they fly around, they copulate, hence the name lovebug. They fly around some more, and then they die. They, they don't harm you. They don't bite. They don't carry disease. They don't really eat anything. So it's like they're going to cause you harm. It's not like they're bees or wasps or any of that. Uh, the annoying thing is that they fly around in such large numbers that you're driving, and they're so stupid, they just smash into the windshield and into the car, and it's like the, the, their bodies do not come off because the composition of them just happens to have this certain acidity that it just it doesn't wash off. So you drive through a cloud of these idiotic things, and, <laughs> you know... Their their entrails are smeared everywhere, and it doesn't it doesn't wash off. And then the, the, here's the best thing. This is really bad for motorists. Granted, you leave it on long enough, and it it kind of erodes the paint right off of your car. And uh, the other day there was a swarm I, I saw that was so big. It's like you're you know when you're driving through the rain, and you hear all the raindrops kind of just you know splattering on the car. I mean, that's, that's what it was like. It was just this giant cloud of these love bugs. Now, there are ways granted to take care of them. Um, I mean, the best way to do it... Like, sometimes you'll see people will be trying to power wash these carcasses off their cars. There's a shortage of windshield wiper fluid. Um, everyone's trying this or that or the other thing, you know... Soap and water just doesn't do it, and you're thinking to yourself, what the hell do I do? How do I get this stuff off? One thing I heard, and I'm always, I'm skeptical of these life hacks, you know? You, you remember the one life hack? It's kind of a, a, a troll type of deal, where they were saying, uh, if you have this one type of phone, you shove it in the microwave and it'll charge it up. <laughs> in, in reality, that's not true. If you did that, you're just going to destroy your phone. But someone was messing around, said that was a life hack just to get people to destroy their their phones. Uh, so some of these life hacks I'm very skeptical toward. Same thing if people say, oh, uh, if you want to you eat ice cream faster, then microwave your spoon or put your spoon in the oven so then it'll be warm for the ice cream. Of course, forgetting that you grab it, of course, it's, it's metal. You're going to burn yourself, too. But but nonetheless, there are some life hacks that are very valid. There was one that was saying, if you want to get rid of you know all of these uh, love bugs that are kind of splattered all over your vehicle before they cause any damage, use dryer sheets. I was thinking to myself, dryer sheets. That's uh, that's that's really odd. And they said, yeah, you know. Uh, Get a hose or some water, bucket of water, whatever it works for you. Uh, spray down the car where it is. Then kind of spray down the dryer sheet. And then just rub the dryer sheet on it, and the stuff will come right off. A skeptical, I thought to myself, well, yeah. All right, I mean, it's something that is, is at pretty much anyone's disposal. 
give it a shot. And it worked. I mean, I was amazed, actually. Like, most of the time, I, I, I again, I look at these uh, life hacks, I mean, just, you know, very cautiously. But, I mean, this actually worked. I was, I was shocked, to be honest. So, pleasantly surprised, best way to put it. But uh, if, if perchance, anyone listening has that issue to deal with, I mean, give it a shot. Uh, the dryer sheets will do the job. One thing you just have to remember is you just apply water first, then you rub the stuff off with the dryer sheet, and then you wash it off again, uh, because you don't want any of the kind of soap and, and chemicals from the dryer sheet to be sitting there on the car. So you just have to... I mean, it's common sense, but I wanted to mention it. Uh, you just have to wash it off again. So... There you have it. That's just what worked for me, and hopefully it'll work for you as well. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Any questions, comments, pieces of feedback, and reception reports, VORWINFO at gmail.com. VORWINFO at gmail.com. And also keep in mind, help keep this show going. Donations via PayPal to VORW. I-N-F-O at gmail.com are very much appreciated. Last week, again, unfortunately, I filmed the video, I got it up on YouTube, and the one that got the most views, the one where I was talking about the miscellaneous points, you can see it, I'm wearing the white shirt there, got demonetized. Made absolutely nothing off of it. So consider supporting this through alternative means, I still don't know why this stuff happens. Via PayPal to VORWINFO at gmail.com. Via Patreon, patreon.com slash the report of the week. If you'd like to advertise, inquiries are welcome. VORWINFO at gmail.com. I will be giving a reduced rate, so uh, this is the time to do it. Really take advantage of this. Great way to get your stuff out there. We got a couple advertisers on board. You can be with them. You could be one of them. You'll get your message out there to so many people listening, all corners of the globe. I say it's worth it. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. If you're listening in right now, make sure you check out our friends over at booksbegone19.com. That's B-O-O-K-S-B-G-O-N-E-19.com. Booksbegone19.com. We pay cash for used books. Turn your used books into cash. We offer non-obligation cash offers for the following types of books. Religious books, textbooks and reference books, history books, and other non-fiction type books. Turn those books you no longer need into some extra cash today. Check out booksbegone19.com. That's booksbegone19.com. Now, this is the question of the show, uh, where I just have a question for you, the listener, and uh, I'm just interested in seeking your feedback, your thoughts, viewpoint, perspective, and opinions. And uh, then in next week's program, we're just going to see what you have to say. So, here's the question for you. If you could change just one thing about the world, what would it be? This is a question that's been asked to me quite a number of times. I think it was even asked to me in a recent video. And people would ask me, well, if you could change something about the world, what would you change? 
And of course, this would be, this is a philosophical question. Not necessarily realistic, but if there's one thing you could change about this world, what would it be? V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com is the way to submit your answer. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com to submit your answer. If there's something you want to change about the world, what would it be? Let me know what you'd want to change. What, what would that one thing be? Uh, like I said, this has been asked to me a good number of times, Now I want to ask it to you. Uh, now, to give my answer, what would one thing be that I would change about the world? I would change the way that some people are. I would want there to be more kindness in the world today. I think if there was one thing that I would, I would definitely change, I, I would wish that people would treat each other with more kindness. Because obviously, one thing that I've said before is that while I believe that negativity, hatred, uh, animosity, all of that is most certainly contagious. I mean, you know, bad moods. It, it just, it's, it's like a, a disease. It's like a cancer. It spreads from one person to the next and to the next, and it infects someone else. And all of a sudden, everyone is down, everyone is upset, everyone is angry. I think at the same time, kindness can be contagious as well. I think if people were kinder to each other, it would, it would really, I think it would solve a lot of problems. Because if people were kinder, they had more of that compassion, they cared more about each other, about their friends, their family, people around them, it would spread. People, as a result, would take care of each other more. We would be more cooperative. We would work together more. And I think lots of the issues that face us today would definitely be solved. So if there's one thing I would change about the world, I would make it so that people would be kinder to each other, because I think, as a result, quality of life would probably go up. And I think lots of the problems we face day to day would also be solved. So if there was one thing I could change, that's what I would. What would you change about the world? Again, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com for your responses. It'll be great to hear from you. And I really look forward to some good responses and some good discussion for next week's show. So with that now being mentioned... And brought out there, I look forward to your response, and we're now going to get right into the second portion of the program. This is the part of the program where we get to your questions and topic suggestions. So, of course, if you have anything you would like to share with me, any responses to the question, anything you would like to hear me talk about, you can send me an email, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O, at gmail.com. I want to give a shout-out to some of the listeners that tuned in last week. Online listeners, Maggie in Nevada, Hayden in Lancaster, England, Connor in Kansas City, Robin in Amsterdam, Netherlands, and we also have a listener from Malaysia checking in. On shortwave, James in the Pacific Northwest, Tiffany in Los Angeles, Maxwell in Woodbridge, Virginia, listening in on 5850 kHz, on 7780, Greg on the east coast of Florida, and Mr. Lopez in Spain. Both of them tuned in on 7780. So, uh, first things first, uh, this is a topic that I actually haven't talked about in a little bit, so let's just, let's just do this one first. Uh, we hear from Vivian in Raleigh, North Carolina. She says, I have a question for you. Could you talk a little bit about the shortwave stations you're listening to lately? 
I love listening to your shortwave talks, especially the updates on the state of shortwave broadcasting. Now, absolutely. So, uh, in, in the world of shortwave, lately I've been listening to Radio Havana, Cuba. Uh, they're a very regular station in, the, in North America. Uh, I'll be honest, their transmitters are falling apart, uh, so the audio quality on their frequencies is just getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, but there's still a couple frequencies with transmitters that actually sound good. So I've been I've been listening to those. It's some interesting perspective, anyway. Uh, especially when all this stuff was going down in Venezuela. Uh, interesting perspective. It's always interesting to see what, you know, as some people will say, the other side uh, thinks. I think it's good to have a balance in that perspective so you could fully understand the situation. So I was listening to them. I uh, was listening to some of the uh, music programming on WRMI. I was listening to this one show on WBCQ called uh, The Alan Sane Show. It's pretty good. The signal isn't always the best, but some good music anyway. Uh, what else was I listening to? Radio Kuwait. You know, whenever I can pick them up. Usually, I, usually their signal just doesn't come in anymore. I can... I can dedicate a whole show to my complaints with that, so I'm I'm going to keep that short. Uh, sometimes I'll listen to the voice of Greece uh, to hear some Greek music, uh, which is something that I am not familiar with to, at, at all. I mean, if I wanted to listen to Greek music, I wouldn't even know where to begin, so... They're, they are a good shortwave station that'll play lots of Greek music and a good playlist of stuff that otherwise I would never even find on my own to begin with, so that's pretty cool. And, uh, otherwise I've been listening to the CB radio, uh, lots of truck drivers and all that good stuff. Uh, like I mentioned earlier in the show, there's this building site down the street, and, uh, yeah, I saw these huge dump trucks, and I saw they all had the CB antennas, so sure enough, I was, uh, I, I turned on the CB radio, and I was listening around, and I was able to hear these, uh, truck drivers at the construction site right down the street talking to each other, which is pretty cool. You could actually kind of hear what they were saying, and uh, that was neat. <laughs> this, this is just a quick little aside. As I said, there were two questions, and this one goes out to a minority because I know not, not too many people have radios, but if you have a shortwave radio, I'm curious, uh, what stations do you listen to on your radio? Uh, what shortwave stations do you listen to? I'm, I'm curious. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Always interested in your comments there. And on one final note, in the world of shortwave broadcasting, I mean, it's disappointing, but I guess you can do whatever you want. It's just, look, I'll, I'll express my disappointment with it. Uh, there's a new station that's coming on the air in North America. I'm being sarcastic here, but so take that. Just take note of that first. I, I gotta say that. Uh, but if you're a shortwave listener, and uh, you've just been dying to know where all the flat Earth programming is, uh, you're gonna be able to get your fix soon, because a new shortwave station is coming on the air for North America. 500 kilowatts, strong transmitter. And it's going to be 24/7 flat Earth programming. So now, if you uh, if you listen to shortwave and and you were just desperately wondering 
where you can get your fix of that. Have no fear, because uh, it's going to be right there. Uh, World's Last Chance, broadcasting the newest shortwave station coming on the air, is uh, going to be broadcasting 24-7 Flat Earth programming. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's just what the medium needs right now. And that that's not a joke, either. That's the saddest thing. That that isn't a joke. It's sad. It's 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 pitiful, to be honest. And and then people scratch their head and they wonder why shortwave broadcasting is the way that it is today. The answer is right in front of you the entire time. Uh, it it the only thing that I can say is that it absolutely amazes me how a flat Earth organization can get the money to finance such a massive operation. I'm talking seven figures, at least. Where that money came from, <laughs> let me know. Let me know where they're getting that money from so that I can go ahead and finance this show for forever. Because if they can get that much, then <laughs> I don't even want to know. But it's terribly disappointing. You know, it kind of makes me lose faith in the state of this medium, to be honest. Uh, when you see that there was a time, even just a, a number of years ago, where shortwave radio was a respected source for international news, commentary, cultural programs, and perspective. And now it's a bastion for flat earthers and all of that stuff. You know? You want to talk about the saying, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, look no further than that. Very disappointing. But it's free speech. If they want to, they have the money. They can go ahead and air their flat earth programs. And at the same time, I reserve the right to be able to criticize it as it is seen fit. So we're even. And... Uh, I mean, that's not to say that the good programming is gone from shortwave. I was listening to the BBC World Service yesterday, The Voice of America, China Radio International, Radio Romania, and all the respective stations that I mentioned, uh, which still serve as those news outlets and, and means of perspective. But at the same time, it gets kind of diluted with some of the other stuff that you pick up. So disappointing nonetheless, but trust me, when you... They, they don't have the transmitter fully effective yet. It's not fully active, but it's going to be on 9330 kilohertz, and when you're scanning around and you hear the strongest signal you can possibly conceive, uh, that's that's what it's going to be. So just get ready for that, and uh, just a little bit of a heads up. So newest, uh, newest station coming on the air. Alright, going over to a few non-shortwave-related uh, uh, queries. Uh, Chris in Sydney, Australia is checking in. He says, with the current trend of celebrities calling their children stranger and more unique names, and of certain names being deemed old-fashioned by the public, do you think a person's name has any influence on the person they become later in life? Uh, a little bit of yes and no. Uh, to give an abridged answer to you there, I think, like, let's say you have a baby, and, uh, you know... Just by choosing the name right there on the spot isn't going to change who the person is, right? But the one thing that the name will impact, I think especially during the child's formative years, is that 
yes, there will be times where if the name is more unique, uh, the kid might be needlessly bullied over this name. And without a doubt, that will have an effect on the well-being, largely mental, but even possibly possibly physical, well-being of the kid. And of course, as a result, that'll impact how he or she grows up and develops later in life. So, the name itself, I, I don't think, will impact the kid. But, how other people react to it, and how they treat the person based on their name, will. That is the absolute case. Uh, because, of course, there'll be a difference between being treated normally and being constantly made fun of from your name. It's going to have an impact on you. So, in some ways it will. But by just choosing the name, of course, won't. But it's how other people react uh, that definitely will make that, make that change. Uh, this is a rather interesting question that comes from Tyler B. in Mississippi, who says, As I understand, you're currently stationed in Florida, known for quite a few odd things, one of which being the skunk ape, mm -hmm. a foul-smelling southern variant of the legendary Bigfoot, a.k.a. Sasquatch. I'm genuinely curious if you've ever encountered a skunk ape, and if given the opportunity... Would you ever consume and review skunk ape meat? And how would you want it prepared and served? Uh, from Tyler in Mississippi. <laughs> uh, well, number one, I've never had an encounter with uh, any of those uh, creatures. Uh, of course, I'll always leave the door a tiny little bit open uh, for the possibility that they exist. Though I believe that if there is a place for cryptid life, it would be in the oceans. That's that's my theory. But uh, I've never had an encounter. Though I do like reading uh, reports of, of encounters with Bigfoot or Sasquatch or Skunk Ape. And I like watching all those shows that focus on it. But I personally have never had an experience. Uh, now, as for your question, I have to tell you this. I would never... I, I would not... Like, let's say... Right, let us assume, therefore, that Skunk Ape is real. There is no chance that I would eat any of it. I mean, if they if they call it right, the skunk ape because of its foul odor, then can you imagine what, what it would even taste like? I mean, no. I'm, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. I, no, thank you. It's not, it's not going to happen. Uh, there's, there's no way. I'm sure it would get a lot of views on the YouTube if if I wanted to, but my no, no, that's 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 not gonna happen. What a question, though. I mean, if you if I never even thought I'd be sitting here responding to this. I mean, if I, I if I had to, like, if I were forced to have to choose how it would be prepared, uh, I would I I would either go with a skunk ape taco. Or uh, have it on a pizza. But, no, that that would not happen. I would never... Oh, my gosh. What a question, though. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, certainly something that would never even occur to me otherwise. Uh, we have Alec, who's checking in. And he says, What is your opinion on people that seem to oppose you or people that are potentially jealous of your success? Uh, well, it doesn't bother me. You have to realize with everything... 
in life, there's always going to be people out there that don't like you. And people are entitled to their views. They're entitled to their opinions. I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to try and say, everyone has to like me. Everyone has to have this favorable view of me. And no one can hate me. Not at all. I think that's a very narcissistic thing to do. If someone doesn't like me, they don't like me. And life goes on. The world continues to turn. Time passes. And that's that. So if someone doesn't like me, then that's fine. Then they don't have to like me. And that's where it stands. Uh, next up, we hear from Becky and Koki Hansen. If you were given $50,000 and you have to spend it all on yourself or you would lose the money, what items or item would you splurge on? You don't need to run a total, maybe just a few luxury items that you would uh, normally view as a waste. No investments, property, or charity. The money has to be spent frivolously. That's an interesting question. Now, you know, part of me thinks, just in regards to the question, and I'm sure that this was not the way that you intended for it to be uh, perceived, but if it was not spent on myself and I would lose the money, I mean, to me, that would almost be the equivalent of a frivolous investment. Uh, buying something or not doing anything, there would not really be a good outcome for anyone else. It doesn't really seem like, you know, of course some good thing could be done frivolously, but a lot of frivolous investments are very self-centered and therefore wouldn't have a huge impact on other people. Of course, the first thing that would come up would be uh, radio airtime, but again, that might be... Um, Again, like, some people would look at it and they would say that would be a waste, so that would be a frivolous investment. Other people wouldn't. They would see it almost as a necessity. Uh, but, I mean, let's say, theoretically, that radio airtime was something I could spend that money on. Uh, then I would easily buy airtime on a 500-kilowatt transmitter and start beaming this show over to Africa, where shortwave is still relevant, and uh, get a good audience over there. Uh, otherwise, if radio airtime was out, uh, I would really try and go to some extremely expensive restaurants, you know, like some of the best out there, and try and just get some of the best, you know, steaks and cuisine the world has to offer, just to be able to taste that and see, like, is this really worth the money? Is this as good as what people are kind of saying that it would be? Um, otherwise... Maybe I would go buy some very high-end clothing just for the heck of it, just to you know, like see what it's all about, see if I think that this you know suit is really worth uh, $5,000, $10,000, you know, or is it not? Is it no different than the stuff I would usually get at the thrift store? And other than that, I mean, I don't know, I'm just not an extremely material person. Like, I'm very happy with what I have right now, and, and, and that's where it is. It's not like I would feel any need to, you know, in invest in much else. I'm just happy with what I've got. Uh, but you know, things like that. Maybe fine dining, some outfits, and if, if applicable, maybe some good airtime on the radio to finally 
reach the target areas that I've always wanted to reach. And finally, we hear from Molly, who says, uh, this is more of a serious topic. Uh, Through making decisions, I often ask myself if it was really worth the stress. In a few years, I'm going to die, and in a few more years, I'll be forgotten. Why should I bother trying to make anything of myself? I wonder how you answer these big questions for yourself, especially seeing as your career path is very focused in the public realm, and many entertainers find it hard to grasp the idea that one day they will be forgotten. When I know that's a very serious question, Molly. The most important thing, number one, is you have to remember, of course, when it comes down to life and what there is, what there isn't, we just don't know, right? You don't know the answer. You don't know what's there or what isn't there once our time is up. Uh, So first and foremost, you know, you you, you have to understand that there's so many questions that will truly never be answered. You have to realize that. Everyone has their own views, uh, but you just have to remember that we have no answers to so many of these questions. So when there's something as a result that you're trying to tackle that doesn't have an answer, you could only do so in a certain way. So as a result, you have to tie in what your own personal view and or belief system is and incorporate that as well. Uh, But secondly, what what I do is I just don't think about it. You might be saying, wasn't that stupid? I mean, how can you not think about that? Obviously, uh, It's such a big thing. How how do you not think about that? Well, I don't. I mean, that's just where it comes down to. And I know that's a lot easier said than done. But that's really substantially eased my fears, eased my worries on that. You just don't think about it. And it goes away. Because the one thing that I'll sometimes tell myself in regards to death and all of that... Is it really worth it to live your life in fear of there being the end? If time is so precious, is it worth it to squander so much of it worrying? In my opinion, I don't think that's the case. If it's something that we have no control over, then why worry about it? Instead, make the most of what you've got here. Right here, right now. I think that's the most important thing. Because otherwise, getting wrapped up in such worries and anxieties, it's no way to live your life. And as a result, it's very counterintuitive. Because if one is so worried about living their life and making the most of it, those worries will actually end up squandering it. Even though you're so focused on making the most of it and worrying about the end, In reality, you're squandering what time you've got left by being plagued by these worries. If you kind of... I know it's not the most eloquent means of saying it, but I hope you get what I'm saying. And number two, you you just... You do not know what lies beyond. You don't know. There's no way to prove it at this point. You don't know. Third, it's something that every single living thing deals with. Everything. That insect in the background... That that thing is mortal, I would hope. Sometimes it feels like it isn't, because that always finds the best way to interfere with everything. 
every single person in the entire world, you name it, everyone that's ever lived. So you're in very good company, and you gotta remember, what's going on right now is the most important thing. I understand that everyone is different. Everyone thinks differently, looks at the world differently, looks at others differently. I mean, I just, I don't worry about being forgotten. If everyone will be, then why worry about it? I mean, one thing, of course, that... I, I, I don't know. It's just... Like, even in, in the career choice that I went down, I didn't start doing this for attention. You know, I, I'm extremely introverted. If I, for, if I get forgotten, I get forgotten. That's all that there is to it. It's just it's not one of those things that really eats away at me. Just remember, what's most important is what is right here, right now, what lies ahead of you. Make the most of it, have fun, try and do what makes you happy, be with those that make you happy, have some enjoyment in life, make the most out of it. That is the most important thing to do. And as I've lectured before in my pro programs, there's a good broadcast of mine, I recommend you find it on YouTube, uh, about the meaning of life, and I think that the meaning of it all is for you to give it meaning. Because life has that different value of, of worth, what makes it worthwhile, worth it, to every person. It's different for everyone. You write that book yourself. You give your life meaning. So just dwell on those things, and uh, again, I know this is kind of a little bit all over the place, but something that I just hope you consider. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. A short break for our sponsors, and then we're actually going to turn the camera on and uh, finish up the show and get to a few more listener topic suggestions. Always remember that if you are listening in, the question for today's broadcast, if you could change just one thing in the world, what would it be? Responses are very much appreciated. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Glowing Ice is a one-man music project that is best described as something called outcast pop. Pop music for unpopular people. Mixing distorted guitars, big electronic drums, synthesizers, and sound effects recorded from the real world, Glowing Ice's latest album, Sunshine Fun Time, is something to experience. The topics of the songs from Sunshine Fun Time range from the afterlife, gamer girls, songs on the radio, getting married, and even robbing a bank. It's certainly out there, but with upbeat, playful EDM dance numbers like eggplant emoji, to the slow, thick synths and heavy industrial drums of slow motion in bed, there is something for everyone to enjoy. It's Sunshine Fun Time by Glowing Ice, available on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, and everywhere else. Music is sold and streamed online. We also have a message from Steve's Beef Jerky Company, so lend an ear. I've been developing this recipe since I attended high school. I'm currently 35 years of age, and I've come a long way. My family, friends, co-workers are always hitting me up for my jerky, and I even have trouble holding on to my personal stash. Now, I buy the reddest, leanest, and freshest meat that I can find. I slice it up in very thin slices, and I marinate it for three days in the secret recipe of marinade and seasonings. 
This jerky has a little sweetness and great Cajun flavor. It's slightly spicy, but if you could handle generic buffalo wings, then you can handle this jerky with no problems. Each package is vacuum sealed and is never left out in the sun. The jerky is prepared in a clean, safe environment. My jerky is moist, and I try to slice it across the grain and thin as possible in order to make sure it is extremely tender. Brand name jerky is loaded with preservatives, which are also bad for you. Sodium nitrate and such are known to cause heart problems, and you have no idea what's in the stuff you're buying sometimes, and that Frankenstein's monster of a product can be scary. Give my jerky a chance. Buy a pack or two, one for your lunchbox, another for a loved one who I'm sure will appreciate it. It's a very lean product, all fat is trimmed off during preparation, and it's a great source of protein. I'm looking at you, bodybuilders. If you'd like more information, please see my Facebook page at facebook.com slash stevesjerky. That's facebook.com slash s-t-e-v-e-s-j-e-r-k-y. Stevesjerky at facebook.com. And you are tuned in to VORW International. At uh, this point of the program, we are just getting to a few listener questions and listener-submitted topics. All right, so the first one for this part of the show, we actually did get to a few earlier on, but this is, you know, what's being filmed for all of you uh, watching. Uh, next, we hear from Jenny in Melbourne, Australia. What is your opinion on this phrase, hard work always pays off? Uh, She says, recently I've been working hard to do well in school since it's my final year, but sometimes no matter how hard I work, the results just don't show it. Now, I don't regard myself as a smart person at all. I couldn't tell you anything about simple general knowledge, and the amount of times I'll forget one theory from another is simply amazing. But I've always prided myself on the fact that I work extremely hard, I put a lot of effort to do well, And I've always thought that's all you need to succeed, that it overcomes intelligence or talent, but nowadays I'm finding that hard to believe. Well, here's the thing. And, I mean, it all depends. The saying exists for a reason. Hard work always pays off, right? Because look, sometimes it does. Sometimes you will bust yourself, you will work so hard, put so much effort uh, into this class, into this pursuit, into this business, etc., etc. And you'll see the results. You will reap the benefits. Sometimes you'll see that financial gain, those good grades. Uh, you'll get the following or the respect that you wanted. Sometimes that'll happen. You know, Sometimes things will go in your favor. Sometimes, and a lot of people don't really mention this because it's not really a motivational thing to say. What I'm about to say, it's not really going to pressure someone to work harder. Where you'll put in a lot of time. You'll put in a lot of resources. You'll put in a lot of effort, a lot of money. You'll have great ideas. You'll implement them. You'll execute them. And nothing happens. Nothing comes of it. Nothing happens. It's like you wasted everything. You put all this time forth studying, put all these resources forth, 
and you're no better off than you were when you started, maybe even worse off. So, did hard work pay off in that case? Not really. Because unfortunately, you get bad people in this world. You get people that you can do everything right. You can make all the right moves, do everything that they told you to do, and there's going to be people that'll take advantage of that and screw you over. Unfortunately, there are. There's more people than there really should be in this world that will do such terrible things. And all that hard work will not pay off for you, but it'll pay off for some... just some jerk that really didn't do anything themselves but took advantage of your own work. So the phrase, does hard work pay off, is partially true. I, I hate to get... I, I mean, again, I wish that there was a world where that would be the case. That hard work and the effort put in for a just cause would pay off and you would reap the benefits and the results would be positive. But unfortunately, the answer is that it depends on the circumstances. There will be some cases where it will. And don't get me wrong. Where if you put forward all that effort academically, you will do well in the class. And there will be times when you put forth all this work and it just it doesn't go your way. You don't get the grade that you wanted to get. And it's like, why did I even bother? The one thing to remember is that while it depends on the circumstance, the one thing is that if you put no effort in, if you become demoralized and you say, well, maybe hard work doesn't pay off, so I'm just not going to do anything to begin with. There's one thing that most certainly does not pay off. It's doing absolutely nothing. If you sit there in a class and you don't do anything, you don't take down notes, you don't complete any of the assignments, you don't take any of the tests, then you're going to fail. It's plain and simple. If you go to work and you sit there and you do absolutely nothing, and I'm saying in the most literal sense, you do absolutely nothing. Let's say you have a service industry job and you have to wait tables. Now, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to sit there and I'm not going to do anything. You're not going to have that job for much longer. And if you do absolutely nothing in class, you're not going to be passing that class. So remember, even if hard work does not always pay off, doing nothing and giving up, that is the one way to most certainly fail. Chances are, if you put forth that effort, if you put forth that time, that dedication, that persistence and perseverance, chances are that there will be those results. It might not always be picture perfect. It might not always be exactly what you hoped for it to be. Look, it might exceed your expectations. It might not fully meet those expectations. But the thing that you have to realize is that doing nothing guarantees failure. But by throwing your hat in the ring, by giving it your best, by putting forth that effort, you never know what the outcome is going to be. And more often than not, it will be positive. So don't, don't become very despondent and get down just because there are times where the work will not be worth it. Doing nothing guarantees failure. Always keep that in mind. Thank you for your topic suggestion. Uh, next, we hear from Julia, who says, How have you become so fluent in public speaking? Seems as that it becomes, or that it comes off very natural to you. Is that so? 
Do you have any tips and tricks for becoming a better public speaker? Well, here's the thing. Public speaking is, it is a very intimidating thing. And you, you know, I look it, it's intimidating for me. When I do live streams, that's pretty much being very close to a live audience. The amount of anxiety that I feel before I turn that camera on is incredible. Oh, I'm so shaky. Uh, Sometimes it gets to the point where I just feel physically ill. I feel like I'm just going to throw up and vomit. And, you know, it gets that bad. And I can barely maintain myself, barely keep my composure. I want to quit. And I've been doing this for years and years, and it still gets to me. So, even though it might come off that it's very smooth, it most certainly isn't. Uh, There's plenty of issues, there's plenty of bumps, there's plenty of things that I could be doing much, much better. And I have my anxieties, I have my fears. Uh, It's something that I I deal with to this very day. So, while it might come off as smooth, again, I I have my anxieties and I have my worries. One of the best things that you can do when it comes down to public speaking is practice. Practice makes perfect. If you have anxiety, it's going to complicate things. Complicated things for me. But one thing that you have to realize is that when it comes down to public speaking, most other people aren't the best public speakers either. I remember in 2015, I had to take a public speaking class. And, you know, you had to go up there and you had to give lectures, you had to give presentations, you had to give monologues. And this was a large class. There were probably, I don't know, maybe 30 people in it. And every single person that was up there was nervous. They were anxious. They were stumbling over their words. Couldn't really keep it together. And when you realize that, you realize, you know, I'm not the only one that's having these anxieties. I'm not the only one that's having these difficulties with public speaking. And when you kind of realize that you are not alone... It makes you feel like, okay, I'm having these issues, I'm having these troubles, I'm having these difficulties, but at least I'm not the only one that's like this. It's not like everyone else is up there giving a TED Talk and giving the best speech you've ever seen before. Most other people have the exact same issues that you do as well. But like I said, practice makes perfect. One thing that you could always do is you can try to rehearse. Try to, if you, let's say you have to give a presentation, right? Rehearse it. Just talk to yourself. Go ahead and try to give those, those talking points, talk about whatever it is that you want to or need to, and do it to an audience of one. Give the presentation to yourself or to your friends or to your family or whoever will listen. Film it if you need. And in doing so, it'll smooth out some of the issues. Now, one pointer that I do want to give in regards to public speaking is not to write a script, word for word, line for line, and make it too, you know, too reliant on the text. That's one thing if you're giving a political speech, and you have the teleprompters there, and you have to be very, very careful in what you say. But in regards to a lecture, or most forms of public speaking, having all of the lines there completely typed out and having everything there in front of you as a script is not the way to go about it. Because doing so, all of a sudden, okay, you're focused on all of these lines and this entire script. I think you're going to be hearing some loud noises soon, so just brace yourself. 
Maybe not. There we go. Some construction down the street. One thing that you have to remember, if you lose your place with that script, you're done. I've seen times where people have this big, long script, and everything they want to say in the presentation is there. And they're nervous, they have the anxieties, and all of a sudden they lose their place, and they fall apart. They lose their composure, they don't know what they're going to say next. One very important thing when giving a presentation is to bullet down the key points, and maybe a few little subsets of those, and then try and just go off of everything else in your head. And if you get stuck, then look at the bullet point and just elaborate a little bit off of that. So then, alright, you lose your place, there's no real lines that you forgot. You can just come up with something on the spot, tell a little personal anecdote, a little story. That's the way to do it. Not to have the lines down continuously, because otherwise you lose your place and you're done. And that's it. Uh, for instance, when I do this show, like I'm doing right now, I have on my computer the list of questions that listeners asked me, but I don't have the answers written down. I don't have all of this written down word for word and line for line. I just have the basic questions, so then if I lose my place, I can look and I can see, oh, okay, all right, I'm on this question here, and it was about this, and then I kind of go off of what I wanted to say in regards to that. So thank you for your question, and just know that everyone has difficulties with public speaking for the most part. I'm going to take a little coffee break. Let's see what else we have. Uh, number one, well, actually, we have two questions about conspiracy theories. Uh, first one is from Kaylee in Florida. I'd like to know if you believe in predictive programming and what your thoughts are. Now, I haven't heard the name predictive programming before, though I have heard of the concept. I looked it up, I did a little bit of research on it, and uh, now I feel at least a little qualified to give my, my thoughts and viewpoint on it. Predictive programming is the theory that if something bad is going to happen, most of the time it's something bad, that the entertainment industry has certain connections to these events, and they will foreshadow it in films, television, uh, the media, so as to brace the public for it and almost desensitize them to certain events. I don't really believe in predictive programming. The one thing that, you know, the biggest question I would have in regards to it is why hasn't anyone in the entertainment industry came out and spilled the beans about it. If it is such a thing, you'd think there'd be so many people out there in Hollywood that would know this and would go out and would say, yes, this is real, uh, in the movie, such and such, yes, we did foreshadow uh, these attacks or this crisis or uh, this issue, controversy. Why hasn't anyone come out and said that? You'd think that even if it was a huge cover-up, there would be people out there that would eventually, you know, because you know how some people are, they cannot keep a secret forever, and they would just let it out. So why hasn't that happened yet? One thing that I could maybe think of is if perhaps there was an issue, uh, and certain media companies or organizations were involved in covering something up, I could imagine that maybe someone would have a guilty conscience and would try to maybe let out little clues and hints of this or that, 
uh, just because they feel very guilty, but I, I don't believe that there would be this mass effort to desensitize people about this by foreshadowing things in major uh, media events. So that's my two cents there. Uh, secondly, what do you think about the conspiracy theory that the first moon landing in 1969 was faked? I don't believe that the moon landing was fake. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think that it was faked at all. Some of the best proof that you can use is literally get a telescope, look at the moon, and you see where they landed. You see where the little uh, moon buggies were. You can see that all with a telescope from Earth. So as a result, how did that stuff get there if it was faked then? You know, did they just do it all in a studio, but then to make it really realistic, they just sent this stuff up to the moon anyway, just to throw you off? So I, I think that the moon landing in 1969 definitely happened. Now, one thing to keep in mind. The moon landing was done, of course, for the sake of scientific accomplishment. But it cannot be forgotten that in the 60s, there was the Cold War going on, the space race, right? That's why we were so, you know, we were pushing to get into space and to go to the moon. It wasn't really to say, this is how far we've come. It's to say, all right, you Soviets, you know, get a load of this. You might have gotten Sputnik and been the first thing in space, but we got to the moon first. So there you have it. That's kind of what it was all about. You know, it was just this competition, uh, the space race, of course, between the United States and the Soviet Union to see, all right, you know, who, who can get to the moon first? Who is the more advanced superpower at this point in time? And you had lots of propaganda on both sides. You know, it was all this race to say, look, uh, my country is better than your country. No, no, no. Uh, actually, this country is better than this, and so on and so forth. So... You have to remember that. You have to remember that the light that it was done under, that it was kind of like, yeah, you know, look at how much better we are than you. We did this first. And with that being taken into account, could a few things have been touched up for the sake of having the best picture-perfect uh, accomplishment imaginable? Because it was a huge accomplishment. Could be. Is there a definitive proof? Absolutely not. But is it possible that things were touched up a little bit to make it look, again, picture-perfect and as good, as smooth, as flawless as it could have been? It's a possibility, because again, it's a form of, of propaganda. It's a form of saying, look at what we did. You didn't. But there's no way of proving that. But without a shadow of a doubt, we went to the moon in 1969, case closed. We were there, we set foot on it. And I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that was not faked, and we were most definitely there. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com is the address for correspondence, feedback, and comments. If that's the one thing that you can't forget, that so many things, I mean today especially, are touched up. Like, so many things are influenced, in some cases are even falsified. You've seen the amount of times that Photoshop has been used on this and that, and the times that video editing has been used to distort something. How many times things have been distorted to promote a certain agenda? Or to put someone or something in a certain light that isn't necessarily true? 
One thing that really creeps me out is uh, what they call uh, deep fakes. And for a while, those were used in a certain context, which uh, if I'm not mentioning it, then you know you know what it is. But it's this type of editing program that can, for the most part, take someone's face and literally you can move their head around, you can make their mouth move, you can insert your own audio, and through this complicated algorithm, you can literally get a video of someone and get them to say whatever you want them to say. And of course, you would need to have a lot of expert voice work, but theoretically, like you can get a video of Donald Trump, and if someone was able to do a really good impression of him, you can make one of these deep fakes, having him sitting there in the Oval Office saying that he declared war on Iran. Now that's very disconcerting, because for some people, that would seem like it's very convincing, and they would legitimately think that that's what he was saying. There are ways, of course, to be able to spot the difference between one of these things, but they're getting better and better, and before you know it, there's going to be forms of blackmail. Uh, You're going to have people making these deep fakes of individuals saying incriminating things that they really didn't say, and they're going to say, look, this looks so convincing, this is you, and if you don't do this, or pay me this, or whatever. I'm going to release this, and I'm going to destroy your career and your reputation. And this is the way technology is heading. And you better believe it's going to be used if it isn't already. By foreign governments, in an attempt to sabotage one thing or the next, it's going to be used by people in the civilian realm to cause damage to other people. So... That is something to be aware of. And also, you're going to have it where people legitimately will have said or done something bad, and the video evidence is going to be out, and they're going to say, no, that wasn't me, that was a a deep fake that was done uh, just to mess me around, even though it was actually them in the first place. So, as the technology starts advancing and gets better and better, uh, you're going to see it's going to open up a complete Pandora's box of, of issues. So it's something to be aware of, and just remember, lots of things get touched up. Lots of things get edited. Uh, Some things are very obviously, blatantly done. Some things are done right underneath our noses to make one thing look better, one thing to look a little nicer than others. Again, could that have been done with the moon landings uh, to just make it that picture-perfect achievement? Could a few things have been touched up here and there? It's possible, but without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, yes, we went to the moon in 1969, and then in all of the subsequent Apollo missions, we went to the moon again and again and again. No doubt about that. We had the technology to do that. We have the technology to still do that. Believe it or not, you could even read... Uh, that there was one person who even said in the 1960s, we had the technology to even go to Mars back then. The reason we didn't is that it was just too much of a danger to the lives of the astronauts, and it would be a guaranteed one-way trip. But it's something to read about, and uh, some interesting food for thought. On one final note, we hear from Lewis. He says, I'm Lewis, I'm from Scotland, and I'm 22 years old. I thought I'd say a little something because I've been a fan for a long time, 
I wrote a blog post today about being yourself, and I'd like your view on the question. How can we truly be ourselves? How do we get past that fear that we aren't what people desire, therefore we, wa- therefore we may wear masks and hide our true selves? I know you're a very authentic person, and I never had whatever you had in high school. I was barely ever myself, and it destroyed me emotionally. I'm recovering from it and yearning to be myself more and more day by day. So how do you be yourself? I really struggle, and I appreciate some feedback. It comes down to one thing, and one thing only. And it's going to be tough. Because sometimes you might think, oh, it's just this one thing. Isn't that so easy? No, it's not. It comes down to not caring what other people think. And that is one of the hardest things you can do. Especially in today's day and age, we're raised in an environment, social media. It's all about what other people think, about whatever people care, what their thoughts are. That's what it all stems down to. So as a result, it is extremely hard to break that mold, to say, you know what, I don't care what people think. But if you're able to break through that, break those chains, that's how you be yourself. You don't care what people say, what people think. That's the only way you can do it. And look, it takes courage. It takes a lot of strength to be able to do that because we're social creatures. We like to retreat inside that shell and put on that mask and hide behind the facade that everyone expects us to. So breaking through that is one of the most difficult things you can do. You just have to think, look, think about how happy I am being who I really am. Is life really worth sitting there, being miserable, hiding around, and not being what I want to be in life? I've got one shot at this, and I'm going to squander it, being someone that I'm not? You be you. You do you. And always remember, everyone else out there is, for the most part, so concerned about what other people think about them. Now look, that's not always the truth. If you like, if you, if you like walking around with a, a pair of underwear strapped to your head, yes, people are going to notice that. <laughs> you know, there's there's no doubt that they will. But if it's just you know, if it's just you being yourself, nothing insane like that, people aren't going to notice. They're not going to sit there mocking you nonstop. You have a few psychopaths out there that will. But they'll do that to anyone, even if you're not yourself to begin with. So there's no loss there. And you just have to remember, most people will not care. You just got to be you. It's the most important thing. Don't care about what those other people think, how they act. Most important thing about this life is doing what what makes you happy. Never forget it. We're going to conclude this broadcast of VORW International now. Again, last-minute correspondence and reception reports. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Thank you. Take care, and I'll be seeing you again next week. Have a splendid remainder of the month of May. We'll be seeing you on the 30th. Take care. This is V-O-R-W.